Hey, I'm Darren. I'm one of the pastors here at Focus. And, and I just want to be able to say to everybody that's here today that I just love being here on a Sunday morning. There's no doubt about it. For all of you that call Focus your home church, let me just say, Welcome home. It's so good to see you all the time. For all of our guests that are with us today, if you're looking for a home church, let me say, welcome home. We'd love for you to be part of everything that God is doing in us and through us here at Focus. And, and today we are in week two of a series that we're calling Rally. Like It, it seemed like the perfect time for us to, to go through a rally. Why? Well, because it's September and it's football season. Can I get an amen, right? Excited to be able to see that. It fills up your Saturday, maybe a little bit of your Sunday. Uh, there's some times that I love the football season, and, and then there's other times when I'm like, hey, come on now. And that's usually when the Cardinals schedule a morning game. Where y'all at, man? That's what, they're at the game. That's what they're, you know. But, but we love the football season, and, and so that's why we're going through this series called Rally. Is it because we're going and talking about pep rallies? No, not talking about pep rallies. So what we want to do is get everybody on the same page when we're talking about a rally. And, and here is our working definition of rally. Rally for us means being together to focus on a singular purpose and a singular action. That we want to be around each other, to gather together, to focus on a singular purpose and a singular action. The reason why we're talking about this, and this is our big takeaway for the entire series, is because we believe this, that scripture teaches us that we are better together. Come on now. We are better together. Somebody help me finish that sentence. We are Come on. That's what scripture teaches us that. We see it all throughout scripture. In fact, Ecclesiastes uh, 4.9 says two people are, somebody help me better right two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed and in fact i would even argue that scripture doesn't just say it's better scripture tells us that there is an absolute need for us a need for us to be in relationship with other people and to be around other people to have a rally around us first corinthians twelve fourteen says even so the body is not made up of one part, but of many. You cannot survive on your own. You need to have relationship with other people. That's like saying like a thumb, right? A thumb by itself can't survive, right? There you go. How you like that? <laughs> That's as good as the jokes get. So I'm, I'm sorry. It was a busy week. I apologize about that one. <laughs> You're going to have fun with that one later on. Anyway, we believe that we are better together. There is no doubt about that. And what we've been doing is we've been looking at a specific time and a specific moment in history and seeing how God moved to show us that we truly are better together. The, 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 the story that we've been looking at in this moment in history was found in Acts chapter 2. An incredible moment, an incredible moment where people gathered together. People gathered together and they were ready for a special moment of God. 120 people gathered in this moment and they saw what was happening in this upper room. They were all baptized in the Holy Spirit. The moment didn't just stop right then and there. The moment continued and 3,000 people that day, 3,000 people that day said yes to Jesus. Can I get an amen? 
I've seen it happen before, and I believe it can happen again. Can I get an amen on that one? That was a special moment. But they didn't just stop in that moment. See, they needed to move from a moment to a movement. Come on now. You're going to move from a moment to a movement. And that's what we want to do is that we want to be in a place where we're not just expecting a moment from God, that we're expecting a movement from God. Come on now. How is that going to happen? How are we going to move from a moment to a movement when we are together? When we're together, you can have a special moment by yourself. There's no doubt about it. But to go from a moment to a movement, you need to be around other people because we are better together. That's what God shows us. And see, here's the thing. You've got to have more than just a moment to propel you into a movement. There needs to be some strategy around that, which is what we're even doing together. So on September 29th, to help you go from a moment to a movement that we want to be in a place where you can gather together, where you can rally around other people, on September 29th, we are going to launch into our focus groups. Can I get an amen? That's what we have. We want to be in a place where you can gather together, where you can rally around other people for a focus on a specific and a singular purpose for your life and a singular action. And so that's what we want to do because we want to show you how, how those early church people went from a moment to a movement. And I want to be able to be in a place where we don't just settle for a moment that we're expecting a movement of God. Where? Inside of my own life. Anybody want a movement of God inside of your own life? Not just in my own life. I want to see a movement of God happen in my family. Can I get an amen on that? As for me and my house, we will worship the Lord, right? And I want to see that continue to go forward. I don't want to just see that in my own life. I don't want to just see it in my family. I want to see it in my church. How many of y'all want to be part of a movement of God? And then to spill over, to overwhelm us and spill over and to begin to have a movement of God in our community. In the East Valley, in Phoenix, Arizona, This is why we pray for this every single week. Come on now. These are not just empty words that we say that we want to go from a moment to a movement. But it's going to take some strategy on our part. It's going to take some strategy on our part, which is why we want to look at what the early church was doing. Because here's the thing. like If we're going to ask you to be part of, if we want to ask you to be part of a a focus group and saying, hey, on September 29th, this is going to be better for your life, Well, the question that I would have is, well, what does that look like exactly, right? Well, what does it look like for me to be part of a focus group? I want to know what it's like to be part of a focus group. And so so if you're asking that, if I was asking that question, I'm sure that you're asking the same question. So let's look at this. Let's look at the strategy that the early church had in this moment to go from a moment to a movement and see how that can play out in our lives as well. Acts 2.42 says, they devoted themselves. First thing, that if we're going to be in a place where we go from a moment to a movement, is that we need to be devoted. You can't just say, God bless my moment. There is a devotion that you have. Devoted to what? What is a group going to look like? Well, we're going to walk through this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And what were the apostles teaching? They were teaching what Jesus had taught them, which is what? The word of God. They devoted themselves to the word of God. If you want to be in a place where you go from a moment to a movement, 
you need to devote yourself to the word of God. Now, it's easy for me to say that, right? And I got one amen from it. It's easy to get an amen when you say, man, the word of God is powerful. The word of God is there to be able to change your life, right? It's easy for me to be able to do that. Like I can get an amen on the power of the word of God, but there are still some of you that are sitting there saying, okay, why did that one person say amen? Because my question again, let's ask some questions. Why do I need, why do we need to focus on the word of God? Because it seems, it seems like there's a whole bunch of other people that aren't focused on the word of God and that they're living a life like they're, they're going through life. They, they have kids, they have finances. Like I've got neighbors that aren't focused on the word of God. So why is it that you're telling me that, that I need to focus on the word of God? Isn't that a reality for some of us in here today? We should ask ourselves that question instead of just taking it at face value. Why do we need to focus on the word of God? Well, let's look at what, let's look at what scripture even says about the word of God. Romans 12, 2 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. In fact, that would, that's powerful right there. Don't, don't live like everybody else. Why? Because then you're going to get everybody else's results. If you want to be able to have, you want to have broken marriages, go ahead and live like everybody else. You want to have your, you want to live a life with your uh, credit card bills and credit that's like, I can't even pay all of my debt. It's up to my eyeballs. Go ahead. Make those choices like everybody else's. You're going to get the same results that everybody else does. I don't know about you, but I don't want the same results that everybody else does. So I'm not going to copy what everybody else is doing. Instead, I'm going to let God transform you into a new person. How? By changing the way that you think. Come on now. Transform me by changing the way that I think. I don't want to think like everybody else. I want to think the way that God thinks. I want to think like he does. And for me to do that, I need his word to transform the way that I think, right? Why do you need to focus on the word of God to transform the way that you think? To transform the way you think. Hey, you want to be able to have some wisdom? You need to be able to, you got, you got a decision that's coming up and you're not sure which way you're going to go? How about you look to the word of God because Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light to my path. I'm not sure how to live. I'm not sure exactly which direction I'm supposed to go. Where do I turn? To the word of God. You want to be able to have some freedom from addiction in your life? You want to have some freedom from those things that are pulling you away? Where do you go? You go to the word of God. Psalm 119, 111 says, I have hidden your word in my heart. Why? So that I might not sin against you. Amen. Come on now. Where do you find freedom? When you are devoted to the word of God. Where do you find true freedom? When you stop being a slave to the things of this world and you start being a slave to God. That's where freedom is truly found. And I love, if you notice, some of you might have even noticed that I used two passages from Psalm 119 which is the longest chapter in the entire Bible. The entire thing is devoted to a song being sung about the word of God. Even the word of God, the longest chapter in the word of God, is devoted to the praise of the word of God. Devote yourself to the word of God. I'm telling you, it will change your life. It will radically change your life. 
So it's easy for me to just be able to say, read your Bible and pray every day, pray every day. Some of you grew up in church, you know what I'm talking about right there, right? I got you on some of those ones. But how do we really do that, right? Because I don't know about you, but, but I know that there's a desire inside of myself. There's a desire inside of each of you that says, man, I, I want to be able to devote myself to the Word of God. And I've tried to. I've tried to start reading plans. I've tried to be able to do this. I've tried to be able to do that. And it's really, really hard for me to do that, right? So then that's what we want to do. Today I want to talk about, I'm going to give you two words. Two words and one encouragement to help you stay devoted to the Word of God. Number one, and this is easy for you to remember, you got to listen. you got to listen to the Word of God. Now, when I say listen, I put that, into, I put that all into an encompassing part of, of reading the Word, of being able to experience the Word, of hearing the Word. Like you got to listen to what God has for you and be open to that at all times. There's a, uh, one of the most amazing men in the Old Testament, this, uh, this priest and prophet, his name was Samuel. And when Samuel was growing up, even at a young age, he had an incredible encounter with God. And we see this happen where he was, he was living in the church. Man, I mean, I love your kids, but I don't want any of them living here. I'm just letting you know right now, okay? Because like, I'll go home too, all right? Like, you take your... But he lived at church. He lived there, and he was preparing himself for what God had for him. And one night, he was laying his, his head down to sleep. He was getting ready to go to sleep, and he heard somebody call his voice. And he thought it was the priest Eli, so he goes into Eli's room, and he's like, yeah, what do you, what do you want? And Eli's like, I don't, I don't want anything, you know? But while you're up, if you could give me a drink of water. No, he, he's like, I didn't say, go back to bed, you know? And so, so Samuel goes back to bed, and, and then he hears the, the voice of God. He doesn't notice the voice of God again, say, Samuel. And he gets up, he goes into Eli's room again, and he's like, I'm, I'm here. And then all of, a sudden, all of a sudden, Eli realizes something. He's like, I'm not saying it. He's hearing something. It's going to be God. So Samuel goes back down to sleep again, and he hears a voice say, Samuel, and then this is his response. A third time, the Lord called to Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy, so Eli told him, he said, Samuel, go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. If you want to be devoted to the word of God, have your mindset be, your servant is listening. You need direction in your life. Your prayer is this, your servant is listening. On a Sunday morning where you're expecting for something to be able to take place here at Focus, when you walk through the doors, your prayer should be, your servant is listening. On a Monday morning when you're getting ready to go into a meeting and you're not sure how it's going to be able to turn out, your prayer should be this, your servant is listening. I'm ready for what you have for me. I'm ready in this moment. My prayer today is for you to be able to devote yourself to listen to the word of God. Your servant is listening. Devote yourself to God's word and listen. I love the teachings of Jesus. The red letters are fantastic. And, and one of the most famous teachings of Jesus happened when he was at the Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount, he had all of these amazing teachings, and he starts off by this. It says, now Jesus saw the crowds. He went up to the mountainside, sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. 
They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. And what were the apostles' teaching? The teachings of Jesus. And notice, it was to teach them. Why? Because we are better together, right? Even when it comes to the teachings of God, which is why all of our focus groups will be completely devoted to the teachings of God. We want to devote ourselves and go from a moment to a movement, and so we want to set ourselves up to be in a place where we together can hear the teachings of God. And these were some of the teachings that he gave them in this moment. Verse 21 says, you have heard it said. I love that, right? You've heard it said, which means that you had to listen. You've heard it said to people long ago, you shall not murder or anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, again, a moment where your servant is listening. See, I love the fact that Jesus in this teaching, he said, I didn't come to abolish the law, which is the Old Testament, I came to fulfill it. In other words, I came to show you the true heart of the law. And he's getting to the true heart of it. It's not about just not doing the action, it's about the motivation of your heart. I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment as well. Because it's what happens in your heart. And then he says this kind of same phrase. You've heard it said. He says it five more times to get to the true heart of what is taking place. He says it five more times. And the last one, I love the last one so much, and it's probably the most challenging and most difficult for one for us to be able to, to play out and to live out in our lives. He says this. He said, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's fantastic, right? I love that one. Or for many of you, it might be uh, love the Democrats and hate the Republicans, right? <laughs> love the Republicans and hate the Democrats because they're the enemy, right? That's how we live in this world today, isn't it? That's how some of you, I'm just going to be honest about it, that's how some of you are living. How do I know that? Because you're free to post it all over Facebook. But Jesus says to you, don't just love your neighbor, because that's easy. You need to love your enemy as well. We lived in a world where we have forgotten this. Let's be honest about it. That's a dangerous way to live in the world that we are today. That's a dangerous kind of love. Hey, come on, somebody. I want to be part of a church that is living out a radical, dangerous kind of love that Jesus has for every single person. Can I get an amen on that one? Come on now. It's hard. I know it's hard. Because it's hard for me to be able to love my neighbor who parks in front of my house. Come on now, damn it. Man, don't let me live this out practically. I just want to be able to preach about it, right? We all struggle with it, but we want to devote ourselves to the word of God, which means we need to listen to the word of God, but not just listen to it. I said I had two words for you. We need to listen and obey. We got to listen and obey, not just talk about it on a Sunday, but for us to walk it out, to walk out the instructions that God has for us. I don't know about you. Anybody in here, you got kids and you wish your kids would just listen and obey, <laughs> right? Come on. You know, here's what I even know. I know that 
some of you that, that were a kid, that are kids even right now, you, like it's not in your mind that you're like, I just want to completely rebel against my parents. But it happens, doesn't it? Some of you are like, well, if there wasn't a dumb rule, then I would be. Right? Like, that one, I want to disobey that one. No, but we want to listen and obey. Because, because parents, you even know this, the reason why you give instruction to your children is because you want to set them up for what? A better life, right? If you do it this way, I'm telling you, I've lived it out. If you do it this way, it's going to be better for you. Why does God give us his word? Because it's going to be better for us. I'm telling you, if you want to be able to have a successful life, then follow the word of God. You want to be able to have a successful marriage? Follow the word of God in your marriage. You want to have successful finances? Follow the word of God in your finances. Because God knows. And he's like, if you just do this, I'm telling you, your life is going to be so much better if you listen and then you obey. To be a follower takes action. To be a follower means that you are following and that you are following through on the instructions that God gives us. How many of y'all know we need instruction, right? Because I cannot set up an Ikea shelf without instructions. There are way too many parts and pieces. And if I got rid of the instructions to be able to set that thing up, it would not look anything like it does in the store. Why do I have, why do I have 14 of these little dowels that are left over? I don't know. It'll be fine. I'm sure it'll be fine, right? But if we follow the instruction, all of a sudden you're like, well, that wasn't so bad. You have to listen and obey. James 1.22 says, do not merely listen to the word, right? Don't just listen to it. Don't just read it and then go on your merry way. And so deceive yourselves. You got to do what it says. Listen and obey. How do you devote yourself to the word of God? That your servant is here. I'm ready to listen. And now I'm ready to follow through with it. Listen and obey. Now, here's the struggle that we have and why, why we are in such conflict at times with the world that we live in and the conflict that we even have inside of ourselves. Because when we don't listen and obey, it sets us up. It sets us up for something that's going to happen, and James explains it right here. Do what it says, but anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says, right? So you hear the word, but then you're going to say, I'm going to choose to live life like I want to live it. I'm going to listen to it, but I'm not going to obey what God has for me. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away immediately and forgets what he looks like. In other words, this is what it means. If you don't follow what God says for you, you're not going to know who you are. You're going to find yourself in an identity crisis. We live in a society and a culture that is in an identity crisis. Where we are constantly questioning, well, I might have been born this way, but I feel this way today, so I'm going to live this way, right? I feel like this is who I truly am, so I'm going to live this way. Until I feel something different, and then I'm going to live this way. 
we live in a constant state of an identity crisis. Why? Because we don't listen and obey the word of God. Why am I questioning what my purpose is in life? Because I don't know who I am. Why am I questioning the relationships that I'm in? Because I don't know who I am. Because you haven't listened and obeyed. When you listen to the word of God and then you follow through with what he says, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. You're going to know who you are. I know who I am. Come on now. I know who I am. I'll tell you who I am. I am a blood-bought, sin-saved, redeemed-filled, pressing on, mighty warrior, overcoming, child of the most high. Come on now. I know who I am. And when life comes at me, I'm going to tell my situations who I am. No, you're not coming at me like this. You might be trying to press me down, but I'm going to press on because I know that my God has saved me. I know that my God has redeemed me, and I'm going to move forward. Why? Because that's what his word tells me to do. I will listen and obey the word of God, and because of that, I know who I am. And I can walk boldly in that, not in self-confidence, but in the confidence that God gives me. Except when I don't. Because there's times that we know that, and then there's times that we really fail at it too, don't we? And so what happens? What happens in those moments when we fail to listen and obey? Because let's just be honest about it. We all find ourselves in those moments. We all find ourselves in those moments where it's just, it's so hard. And so what do we do in those moments? Do we just give up? Well, I, I failed. I didn't just fail once. I failed multiple times. And I'm going to tell you that in your walk with Jesus, guess what's going to happen? You're going to fail. Not just once. Not just twice. Maybe once or twice in the same day all the time. Right? We fail God. We fail him. And so what do we do in those moments? How do we continue to be devoted to the word of God in those moments, right? I told you I had two words for you, listen and obey, and I have one encouragement for you. And this is the encouragement that I have for you today. When you find yourself in failure, you need to stay teachable. Stay teachable to what? To the word of God. Stay teachable to what God has for each and every single one of us. Check this out. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 says, so all of us, all of us here in this room, so all of us, who have found the freedom of Jesus, that we found the light, that we with uncovered veils, that their veils have been removed, that we can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. When you have said yes to Jesus, you see the world differently. You've taken the mask off and you have the glory of the Lord shining through you because the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives and resides inside of you. That you should allow the glory of God to be able to pass through you. And the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like him. More and more, which means it is a constant moving process, which means that we need to be unwavering, that we need to be steadfast in the continuing process to be changed into his image. And how do we do that? By staying teachable to his word. Listen and obey. And God, I'm going to find myself when I am when I'm going through failure, that I'm going to stay humble enough to follow your word. 
when I find myself living in success that I'm not going to let pride seep in and I'm going to allow myself to continue to stay teachable to your word. I want to become more and more like you. More and more is not a moment. More and more is a movement. It continues to flow. Let's move from a special moment to a special movement of what God has for us and stay teachable. We stay teachable. Like I said, we're, we're going through rally because it's, it's football season and we love to be able to watch the game and, and, uh, and it wouldn't be an appropriate Sunday if I didn't talk about the fact that my Hawkeyes won yesterday. Come on now. 18 to 17. Woo! The nail biter, I'll tell you what. I think I got an ulcer last night. Just letting y'all know that. <laughs> We're talking about football in this season, and, and the NFL is playing today. We, we know that. Even if you like the game or not, you know that it's happening. And, and I hate to be able to say this. It, it, it pains me a little bit, but we have to just be able to admit that, that one of the greatest dynasties in the NFL history is actually happening here at this moment. The New England Patriots. Can I get a boo? Can I get a boo? Can I get a boo? There you go. I, the boos were louder. <laughs> See, here's the thing: is that like it, it is wrong. I I hate to admit it, but we gotta. We're just being honest about it. And and what what really drives this dynasty that's been taking place, the the consistency that's happened, are these two individuals. We just have to be honest about it. These two individuals that have been through that entire dynasty, and one is the coach, his name is Bill Belichick, and then the quarterback, Tom Brady, is back there. And it, it pains me. Every time I hear that woo even, I'm like, this was the wrong example. I should have picked a different example today. <laughs> just have to be honest about the fact that it's probably one of the greatest coaches that's been around and, and arguably the, the, greatest, the greatest quarterback in the history of the game. I hate to say it. Can I get a boo again now? <laughs> you see, the thing that I think that what we forget about it, and I think one of the most understated, most understated reason for the success of this team and this dynasty that has taken place is not just simply what happens on a Sunday when they're defeating their enemy, I think that the understated moments happen on a Monday or Tuesday when they gather together for the first practice. And they go through this moment where they're watching film about what transpired on the Sunday before. And throughout the entire, throughout the entire process of this, of this football team is they go through game film and then the coach will call out plays of individuals who failed. And one of those individuals that he calls out almost every single week is arguably the greatest quarterback who's ever played, Tom Brady. I'm pretty sure that Tom Brady, being 42 years old, knows how to play the game of football at an extremely high level. I'm sure after a number of Super Bowls that they've been to, that he knows how to be able to play this game at a high level. I'm sure he knows the successes that he has, and I'm sure he knows the moments where he failed as well. But when the moment comes, when they show the film in front of the entire team of Tom Brady messing up, 
do you know what he does in those moments? He stays teachable. He doesn't say to himself, how dare you show that film up there, me messing up. Do you know who I am? I'm Tom Brady. I'm, I've lost more and won more than you could ever think or imagine. I know this game. You don't need to tell me how to be able to play this game. He stays teachable. And because it's Tom Brady, and because he's been around the game for so long, he knows the game, he's a leader of the team, because he stays teachable, guess what happens? The rest of the team stays teachable as well. You don't get to be able to have an attitude on that team. Because if Tom Brady's going to be able to take it, you better take it as well. We need to stay teachable, devoted to God's word, not allowing ourselves to feel like we are higher than the word of God, not feeling like that we are lower than the word of God. God, I just want you, I want to become more and more like you every single day. And how do you do that? How do you do that when you stay teachable? And because of that moment, because he's decided that I want to be able to, I'm going to stay teachable and I'm going to have that attitude. I'm going to listen to what the coaches say. I'm going to follow through on what they say and I'm going to stay teachable. Because of that, because of that, unfortunately, we got a quarterback who's won six times the Super Bowl. It's ridiculous. I don't know about you, but I know this. I know that God has so much more in store for each and every single one of you and in store for our church than just some Super Bowl wins. He has a life planned for each and every single one of you that is exceedingly and abundantly more than you could ever dream. And how do you get to that place when you listen to what he says, when you obey what he says, and when you fail, you stay teachable you stay devoted to the word of God inside of your life and I'm going to tell you when that happens God's plan for you he said I have come that you may experience life life that is exceedingly and abundantly more than you could ever imagine that's the life that God has for you church can you please stand today And doing it on your own is not going to happen. As great as Tom Brady is, he couldn't do that on his own. It took a team. You need a team around you. You want to see life become exceedingly and abundantly more than you could ever imagine? It is not good for you to be alone. You need a group around you. You need a rallying cry. You want to be able to have people who are going in the same direction that you have, that are focused on the purpose that you have for your life, that are focused on creating an action inside of your life. You need a focus group to help you stay focused when life gets hard. You need a focus group when life is pulling you in different directions. You need a focus group when you're getting distracted yourself. Get ready for what God has for you. Be asking for God to be able to move. Not just a moment, but a movement. I don't know about you, church, but I'm ready for God to move inside of me. You ready for God to move inside of you? How about we begin to have a special moment that can catalyst us into a special movement of God, even in this moment. Oh, I'm going to live like my chains are gone.